is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Oh, yeah, everybody. I hope you are as fired up, as pumped up as we are for this podcast. Guys, these are the podcasts that dreams are made of. Right? I thought you were going to say these are the podcasts of our lives. These are the pod, these are the best podcasts. So are the podcasts of our lives. I mean, like I've been excited to talk since we got off the air doing the Brown stuff. I, as the news has gone in, I mean, I can't wait for Thursday's show. Yeah. Oh, I felt, I felt the same way. I, I've just been building up to this moment in my career, in <laughs> my life. It's all led up to this show, which I expect will be the most popular podcast ever done. Not just by CBS Sports, but by anyone ever. Yes, top of the charts. Uh, Jamie, unfortunately, not here. He's still on paternity leave. He, he's having major FOMO right now, I'm sure. But we are going to talk about all of the moves, and we are going to talk about um, the winners and the losers. Even some of them just not really, you know, not necessarily players changing teams. But, for example, Heath, Marquise Goodwin is a winner, right? Marquise Goodwin thus far is a winner. It's uh, something could happen during this podcast that would change that. But as of right now, the 49ers came into free agency with just about as much money, maybe more money than any other team in the NFL. There was a lot of concern from Marquise Goodwin truthers that Sammy Watkins or Allen Robinson could get in the way. They're both gone. They're not going to San Francisco. The only money that San Francisco has spent on receivers so far is to extend Marquise Goodwin, who had a phenomenal rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of last year. He sure did. And Dave's here, too. Hi, Dave. What up? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, the NCAA tournament also started, and we've got our bracket with, with all the listeners. Yes. I have uh, Rhode Island in the finals. I did a lot finals. of research this year. Yeah, I have Rhode Island in the finals. I need them to pull through here. Yeah. We're, we're recording this while Rhode Island and Oklahoma. And are Trey Young play. just made a deep three to put Oklahoma up one with two minutes left. Oh, really? Oh, is that right, up. Heath? Because what's about to happen is apparently my TV is ahead of yours. It's going to make you very disappointed. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. I don't have Rhode Island in the finals. I have them winning one game. Um, let's talk football here. And last year, last year, look, Dave, we had some good names, right? We had Alshon Jeffrey. We had Pierre Garçon. It was fun. It was cute. This good year, names? Yeah, yeah, they're fine, right? Uh, they were okay. Alshon was okay. Alshon was Davis Murray might have been like one of the biggest big name running backs. Adrian Peterson, Eddie Lacy. Yeah. Rex Burkett. This year was like, screw you, 2016. Give me some winners and we will go through everything. Kirk Cousins, Sam Bradford, Carlos Hyde, Jarek McKinnon, Deion Lewis, Alan Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Mm, Jordy Nelson. One of those names is not like the other. Who's? You're like, we're going to go through everything. (laughs) Kirk Cousins, Sam Bradford. Oh, yeah. We we really need to go through. Some, we we have to, I guess. Yeah, but you left out Dante Moncrief. Dante Moncrief. Yes, absolutely. Albert Wilson's Al- fantasy value. What was that, Albert Wilson? I I know who my big loser is. Actually, I know who my big winner is. It's the Patriots because I don't think the Dolphins, Bills, or Jets really did anything to make themselves a lot better. Um, but Dave, why don't you go for it? Who's a fantasy winner other than Heath's Marquise Goodwin? I'm going to stick with a guy on Marquise Goodwin's team now, and it's Jarek McKinnon. And now that Carlos Hyde is off to Cleveland, McKinnon got more money than Hyde got per year to go to the 49ers. He's a fast running back with good hands. He can run routes out of the backfield. He's going to be a big part of that run game. He won't be the only guy. Matt Breida, Joe Williams, they'll be involved too. I'd be a little surprised if they drafted a running back at this point. I think Jarek McKinnon's in line for a career high in touches, total yards, and touchdowns. He's going to be a very trendy breakout pick this year, and I think he'll be worth it running in San Francisco. Okay, I, we got to talk about this. This is arguably the most interesting one. I mean, the Jimmy Graham thing is fascinating, but the money that they gave McKinnon, four years, $30 million, and no contract is really, except for Kirk Cousins, which is fully guaranteed $84 million, no contract is really as valuable as what it says on paper. Um, for the most part. So, uh, McK- I, I don't know. This one really surprised me. Do you, you buy McKinnon as, as that kind of back? Well, he almost had a thousand total yards last year. He's had at least 750 yards each of the last two years. I would have a hard time believing in him as an every down feature back, but as a guy to lead a duo or trio, I mean, we saw him do it before. 
he was okay in that role. And I think in San Francisco, uh, his talents can be maximized with Kyle Shanahan. A lot of this has to do with two guys, Kyle Shanahan, who I definitely believe in as an offensive play caller and a guy who can help his players put up numbers and Jimmy Garoppolo, who's the best quarterback the 49ers have had since fill in the blank. Bottom line is that I think you could say Garcia. I would accept that as an answer. I would accept Colin Kaepernick as an answer. Oh, I forgot about him. But the the bottom line is that I uh, I, I think McKinnon is going to be in a spot where he'll get more work and, and be in as good, if not a better situation with the best play caller he's ever been around. I think the really interesting question I have for McKinnon, I do, and I do think there's still some chance that like he is in a, a committee committee. But the, the really interesting part of this for me is – San Francisco and throwing the ball to running backs. Right. Because right. they threw 169 passes to running backs last year. That's an enormous amount. But you look at Carlos Hyde's targets. He had several, almost most of his games were six plus targets. He had an 11, a 13, an eight, and a nine early in the year. His last five games, five, one, two, three, four. Let me I'd tell like you, to let me tell you the stats. Hold on, let me I'd tell like... you the stats though. Cause Carlos Hyde had 58 catches last year. He had 48 of them in 11 games without Garoppolo starting. He had 10 catches in five games with Garoppolo starting. And, yeah, Brita, I, I tried to look that up. I don't think it was anything significant um, with his catches, but I'll, I'll confirm that. I'm going to look right now. I'm on it. Now, I don't know he because I thought about that, too. I, I have a lot of – I have some interesting concerns about McKinnon. I mean, if they had brought him over on a normal, like, reasonable contract that I would have expected, I would have thought McKinnon was going to be part of a, a tandem. But they gave him so much money, which just uh, kind of surprised me. But, like, Dalvin Cook averaged 4.8 yards per carry last year. Jarek McKinnon averaged 3.8. Um, I don't, like, I feel like, I feel like he's not as good. He might not be as good as we hope he is or think Well, he is. and, and Carlos Hyde averaged 3.9 last year in San Francisco. Right. Carlos Hyde, who had never averaged below four and had averaged 4.6 the year before. And, I wonder and if that's improve. a byproduct of the bad quarterbacking and nope. the bad offensive did, line. Well, offensive line, maybe, but Carlos Hyde did not improve yards per carry-wise. In fact, I believe he got worse with Jimmy Garoppolo. He did. He averaged 3.6 yards per carry in five games with Garoppolo. Now, we know that doesn't really make sense, right? It's small sample size. But I cannot sit here and say, well, their run game got better when Garoppolo was the quarterback. It's not the case. So no. just throwing and, that out there. And for Brita, he had a total of four targets in his final five games. Right, right. So he didn't so now the right next, the, maybe the guy we got to look at is Kyle Juszczyk and see where he shook out in terms of targets. Except I, he's not going anywhere. I don't believe any of the running backs had very many targets in the last five games because Marquise Goodwin got all of them. Like We don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo's tendencies are. But we do know that in the five games, he didn't throw to running backs very often. Um, all right, so McKinnon, who do you like better right now, McKinnon or Hyde? I think it's Hyde, but it's not by a lot. Yeah, I'll stay. I'll say Hyde. I haven't got around to mapping out what I think the 49ers or Browns completely look like. Hyde's obviously got Duke Johnson, who I still expect to be heavily involved, but I'd lean Hyde, especially in standard. All right, guys. Um, any other winners that stand out? I know we spent a lot of time on McKinnon, but I, I really did think that was the most interesting one. Who else stands out to you? My first one that came to mind was Patrick Mahomes, and it also involved one of my losers, who was Sammy Watkins. But I I do think adding Sammy Watkins to that offense, you're talking about Mahomes now, gets Watkins and Tyreek Hill a couple of just incredible field stretchers. You get Travis Kelsey over the middle. You've got Kareem Hunt. It's all set up for him there. I did a Twitter poll yesterday. I want to see what people have to say here. Uh, it was, what do you think about Tyreek Hill's value with the addition of Sammy Watkins? It has improved, no change, or it has gotten worse. And no change, 55% is the winner. Yep. It That's has what improved. I would say. Yeah, it has improved and it has gotten worse, 23 and 22%. I, I dropped, lowered his targets just like a very small amount, but I don't think it's a huge impact. Okay. So is Hill clearly, I mean, it's a stupid question, but we'll just get it out there. Clearly better than Sammy Watkins for fantasy next year? Yes. I believe so. Yeah, but. Could you see a scenario where Watkins has his best season? Yes. No. No? No, I can't. Okay. Uh, why not? Because I, I don't think he'll get the targets or the yards that Hill and Kelsey will get. Does this hurt Travis Kelsey at all? It could. I, it really comes down to just how you think Sammy Watkins will be used. 
is he going to be a, a downfield threat like Tyreek Hill? Probably some of the time he will. But I also think you could see him end up more as a red zone threat, which is what he ended up being in Los Angeles last season. And let's just remember, like Sammy Watkins' best season on a per game basis, I don't really think he has a chance of doing that. But the best season of his career, just on, he played 16 games. His best year is 60 catches for a thousand yards. I don't think it's unreasonable to think he could get to 1100 this year. I think that's totally unreasonable. Like I have him with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill on the field. I have him projected Um, around 900. Patrick Mahomes throwing for? I expect 4,000. Wow. How many do you? How many did uh, Alex Smith throw for last year? Like 3,600 or something? In 15 games? Yeah, uh, 30. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm way off. He had uh, 4,042 yards. He had a very good year. 4,000 yards in 15 games. Previously, he had not thrown for more than 3,500 yards with the Chiefs. Last year, they he threw the ball more and he had a great year. And like so far, the Chiefs' defense has gotten quite a bit worse. So where where do you have Mahomes if he's a winner for you? Uh, is he a top fifteen guy? He's right there. There there is a big jumbled mess of quarterbacks right on the cusp of top twelve, and he's in the middle of it now. Okay, that's like Goff, Mariota, Garoppolo, guys like Wentz. That. Wentz. Okay, <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> I'm starting to come your way on Wentz because because of the health. Just so you know, but that's well. I, I think the health and I think the volume. Like you said, I think he's going to throw more next year. Their defense <laughs> is going to be yeah. outstanding. It's gotten even better. I don't know why he would throw more next year. Um, uh, fair enough. Um, all right, Dave. Losers, winners. Anybody you want to talk about? I want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings now that Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. I think that they're all winners in that they should be able to maintain what they did with Case Keenum in his career best season. And I, I fully expect Kirk Cousins to remain efficient and effective. Two nice words that begin with the letter E. Uh, he's, he had good pass catchers to work with in Washington. He's got better ones now, especially at receiver specifically. And I believe in John DeFilippo. I think he's going to be a head coach probably by this time next year because I think he will coordinate a sensational offense in Washington or I'm sorry, in Minnesota. And I think Kirk Cousins will be a better red zone quarterback with him. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Cousins is going to finish as a top 10 fantasy quarterback again. Wouldn't surprise me if his numbers were just about as good as what they have been. 30 total touchdowns would be one more than what he's delivered each of the past three seasons at least. And 4,000 yards on top of it. Now that's a guy who's going to throw for over 4,000 yards. I, the only problem I have with Cousins, I think the situation's better. I agree with 99.9% of what Dave just said. I, I'm i afraid that his ceiling is a little bit lower going to Minnesota. I expect them to be a good team. And once again, it kind of comes back to the Carson Wentz thing. They have not been a team that has thrown the ball a ton over the last few years. I don't think their defense is going to be a problem, and they have Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure they're a team that throws it a lot. Cousins could improve in terms of efficiency. I don't know that he does so on a yardage basis, though, because he's already been a seven and a half yards per attempt guy. So he's going to have to do it in terms of touchdowns, which is a possibility. And I think that that sets up a good floor for him. Yeah, yes, I think that's good, really good what floor. it comes out of. Because I don't think he's yeah, going to throw yeah, 600 yeah. times either. L- limited ceiling. Well, he's been a top nine quarterback three years in a row, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, and. I mean, it's a fairly similar situation. It's a, it's a good tight end, and, and good receivers probably worse tight end and better receivers than what he had. He's, he's got a running back who can catch balls out of the backfield, even without McKinnon. Dalvin Cook can do it. But here is my question. I think that Adam Thielen might be a loser. He had 143 targets last year. In Kirk yeah, Cousins, that's going down. In Kirk Cousins' three seasons as the starting quarterback in Washington, I believe – no wide receiver had more than 114 targets. And remember, Dave, we sort of discovered that on the air. He just spreads the ball around. He he really gets everybody involved. It's a great thing for him. It's kind of like what he says about Mike Evans and what Jameis Winston was doing at the end of last year. Too many mouths to feed. So I wonder if it's more like 110 targets for Adam Thielen. And I, I don't think he can produce close to what he did last year if the targets come down to, to that number. Yeah, my only hesitation there would be was that – entirely a Kirk Cousins thing, or was that a bit of a philosophical thing from Gruden? Uh, I I don't don't know the answer to that. It it may very well be right, and we should probably expect Thielen's targets to come down a little bit, but we could also find out that was more of a Washington thing than a Cousins thing. 
So who who's made the biggest movement up or down in your rankings? I know we're talking winners and losers, but it's a sort of similar question. But any big time movers? Uh, Derrick Henry has moved up and down over the last uh, month. <laughs> mm-hmm. DeMarco Murray got cut, and I was like, yes, finally! And they signed Deion Lewis, and it was a bit of a groan from me. And as it stands right now, I don't know that you can really trust Henry or Deion Lewis as more of a low-end number two running back. And I Ooh. I honestly thought there was a chance a week ago that they would just bring in a third down guy only, and he would be a borderline number one. I, I don't really see that now. Deion Lewis is too good of a runner. But he's also an injury-prone runner. So do you think Derrick Henry gets 15 carries a game? I think he does in the games where you're not going to have Deion Lewis available, yeah. In the games that you are going to have But that's the knock on Deion Lewis. Like, you can mock me for saying that all you want, but I I think that that, that's going to be the problem is that they could either overuse Deion Lewis and he'd get hurt, or they could just utilize him along the lines of 13 touches per game, many of them in passing situations. And uh, and then you've still got Derrick Henry getting close to 15 touches. I, I haven't. Projected. Who's getting used at the goal line? Yeah. Oh, Who's Henry. got the better chance to stay healthy? I'm 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 liking this because now I can get Derrick Henry around later than where I thought I was going to have to get him. I have Henry at 202, so I guess that's more like 12 to 13 carries per game. In a standard scoring league, I have no interest in Deion Lewis. I think he's useless. I don't necessarily think that's true. I mean, look, I have no idea how it's going to look, but my fit, like, why? I, it's a weird fit, but they are going to be a little bit different of a team, right? I mean, they have a new head coach, new coordinator bringing LaFleur over. Um, but, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you're ready to give your, your third year running back, Derrick Henry, the reins here. Cut him, turn him loose. Give him 250 carries. He had 176 okay. last year. I don't know why they brought, but they didn't pay Lewis that much. They didn't pay him nearly as much as what, McKinnon is getting. So, so if, if you wanted them to turn him loose and then they go ahead and sign another big time free agent running back and the contract really, I, I know people, there was a jarring line in all the stories that said Deion Lewis is now a top 10 paid running back, but that doesn't really make a difference to me. Right. What does that tell you about how the coaching staff, this new coaching staff in Tennessee thinks of Derrick Henry? That they went out and they made this move. Uh, what does that tell you? I don't know it, that it, it tells me what you're getting at. I don't. I don't really agree with that premise that that they don't think highly of him. I, I Deion Lewis did not get McKinnon money, but he also did not get backup just in case Derrick Henry gets no, hurt. No, no, but he got. Did he get pass catching down money? Is he? Because I know he didn't catch passes last year, but he has in yeah, the he past. Did. He had thirty. He had thirty-two catches in sixteen games. That's not much, but. Three years ago, he had 36 catches in seven games. So, uh, like, we know he can catch passes. I just—is that his role? Is he the third down guy? No, I think you're. I, I think he's going to definitely be the two-minute offense guy. And when the Titans are playing from behind, you're going to see a lot more of him than you are Derrick Henry. But I think they're going to be almost mixed and matched and frustrating to deal with, just like the Patriots running backs were. Oh, yeah. I think that both of these running backs are going to be dependent on the success of their team. If if the Titans are a 12-4, and 11-5 and 5 team this year, I'm probably too low on Derrick Henry. If they're a 6-10, and 7-9 and 9 type team, I'm probably too low on Deion Lewis. And so with that in mind, you look at their schedule coming up, you know that they're going to have uphill battles against that Jacksonville defense. Texans defense is going to be better because they're going to get a lot of healthy guys back. They play the Patriots. They play the Eagles. They play the Chargers. Those are going to be tough games. Dallas on the road is going to be tough on Tennessee. There's a lot of games that do set up for Deion Lewis to be a factor in the event he's actually on the field. And just remember this. He's missed at least seven games in three of the previous seasons before this past one. So, Heath, are your rankings updated? They are not, no. Okay. Dave's got Derrick Henry 16th. So does Jamie. Probably lower in PPR. I would I would have Henry twentieth in standard, twenty fifth in PPR. Oh wow, okay. So like, they, they were talking about Henry being involved in the passing game. I think that is obviously a big impact here. Like, why would you do sure? That? Why would you do that at that point? Well, it's not that he can't do it. It's that they they just now brought in this running back who's going to be significantly better than him at it. Right. He'll still catch passes, but. Perfect world. First of all, the reason why I've got Deion Lewis ranked as low as I do, and I've got him 25th among running backs in PPR leagues, is because I expect him to not last the season. 
Okay. If, uh, if he did last a season in a perfect world, he'd have a ton of catches. So you guys We'd have be Joe, talking about him having well over fifty. Joe Mixon over Derrick Henry. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. Which so, wasn't the case. Right in the same range. It would. They're within five spots of each other, maybe. You but know that who, wasn't the case before Deion Lewis went to Tennessee. I am so excited. I'm like I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. You know who I think is a big winner? Uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, undeniably, they got the best offensive yeah. lineman on the market, Andrew Norwell at guard. I love it for Fournette. Add another good blocking tight end in Dante Moncrief. <laughs> oh. Is Marquise Leo winner? He's the best receiver on the team, right? He's the best receiver on the team, but they've got a lot of young and I'm not sure what they are type of wide receivers, and now they throw on Moncrief, which I don't understand. And Alan Hearns is still there. Right. For the which, which I for would consider years. one of those guys. Like I know it seems like Alan Hearns has been in the NFL for 10 years, but he's still relatively young compared yeah. Yeah, he's the he's the old man of this group. And now. I think you have to project him to throw less passes than probably any team in the NFL. They ran they led the league in rushing t- attempts last year, the Jaguars. Yeah, they're going to keep trying to do that. Yeah, they were 1 and 2 with Minnesota. I don't remember who was 1. I think it was Jack- Jacksonville and then Minnesota. And I should probably get one of my losers in just because of what I said on last week's pot or 2 days ago's podcast. Uh sorry Adam Shaheen. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's rough. Trey he Burton. Won. I mean, Trey Burton's an obvious winner. He goes from being a backup to a starter, you would think. Um, yes. and You'd have to really suck in training camp in order for that <laughs> not to be the case. All right, where's Trey Burton in your rankings? I haven't officially moved him yet, but he's probably going to be close to where I had Shaheen, which is a top 15 fantasy tight end. Yeah, he'll be borderline top 10 for me. I am very curious about this Bears offense, and maybe this will spawn the conversation about Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. That's up to you, Adam, since you're driving this thing. But should be a West Coast-ish type of scheme because that's what Matt Nagy is based on and what he's done his whole career. But Mark Helfrich as the offensive coordinator is going to bring in some spread concepts. That's what Trubisky was doing in college. And I wonder if they end up going that route a little bit more given the personnel that they have. And I don't know if that would necessarily be a good thing for Trey Burton. Well, Trubisky, I mean, what do you think about Allen Robinson? We should go there. Trubisky had a 77.5 passer rating last year. Jared Throw Goff, Jared Goff had a 63.6 passer rating in his rookie season. Uh, we've made so many comparisons. Get rid of the coach, bring in a better offensive mind. Um, they, they have a decent offensive line. It wasn't as, it's not like it was the Rams in 2016. So, uh, but now they bring in Allen Robinson, just like the Rams brought in Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup. Uh, yeah, could, what do you think about the offense? What do you think about Allen Robinson and the passing game in general for Chicago? Let me start by saying that you should take everything that you know about Mitchell Trubisky from last season and throw it out the window because the receiving core sucked. The play calling, bad. The playbook, eh. So I'm willing to give him a pass on everything that we saw. Uh, and, and now that he's got a better receiving core, I trust his co- coaching staff a lot more. And I like Trubisky coming out. I thought he was pretty good. I'm uh, I'm I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say that this is an upgrade at quarterback for Allen Robinson. Now that he's going from Bortles to Trubisky, I think Trubisky Ooh. will be more accurate. I think the quality of target will be there. But I don't necessarily see Robinson as a 1,000-yard receiver. Oh, I think he's going to fall just short of there. But I think he's still going to be pretty good in the red zone. Still a number two fantasy wide receiver, but kind of closer to the low end of that group. Yeah, I've got Robinson around 70 catches, 950 yards, eight yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, I'm, and I'm a little bit lower than that, simply because of all the other pass catchers that Chicago has. Like Cameron Meredith's coming back. Taylor Gabriel's coming back. Uh, you know, Don't Tariq forget about Cohen, Kevin White. Cohen. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. All right, if you're, if he'll, you're he'll get his today. 15 catches or whatever, but Tariq Cohen's going to see a bump in catches for sure. And Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, they're going to get passes thrown their way. If you're drafting so, today, Des Bryant or Allen Robinson? Des. Allen Robinson, for sure. Des. If you're drafting today, Marquise Goodwin or Allen Robinson? Robinson. I think Robinson. So Robinson is what, like a number three wide receiver? Number two. Number two? Okay. De- Des is a borderline number two at best. Uh, Dave's got Allen Robinson 23rd, Jamie 21st, and we will await Heath's rankings update on him. I'm just going to throw some more stuff out there. Is LaShawn McCoy a loser? I, yes. I mean, this team, 
Oh, I, I thought they were going to be terrible last year, and they made the playoffs. But he had 59 catches, 448 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. That saved LeSean McCoy, who was the number seven running back in fantasy on, I believe, the 23rd best offense. And you know I say it all the time. Bad offense often means bad running back unless they're involved in the passing game. I suppose he could still be involved in the passing game, but I just don't like anything that's happening with the Bills. Cordy Glenn gone, Tyrod Taylor gone. Uh, it's it's just it makes a guy that people are already nervous about even more nervousier. It's exactly how I feel. It's extremely, <laughs> extremely nervousier. Um, I we'll see what the Bills do with the rest of the offseason, but I am scared to death of McCoy. I remember what we just got done talking about on our last podcast when we broke down Tyrod Taylor and how running backs fare with running quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. And that's out the window now because AJ McCarron isn't going to run anywhere close to. As well as Tyrod Taylor. Is AJ McCarron going to be their starter for the entire season? If it's not, then I'm not sure if the guy who is their starter, whether they're clearly going to try and move up and draft somebody. I'm not sure he's going to run like, uh, like we saw Tyrod Taylor run. Right. Um, okay. So that was a thought of mine. McCoy, McCoy and Henry both being losers. Those are two guys that are going like late second round. So it does kind of change running back a little bit. Like, Gurley, Elliott, Bell, Johnson, Hunt, Fournette, Gordon, Kamara, Cook, Ingram. Well, like right there, Ingram. So that's nine up to Cook. Ingram, Freeman, McCoy, Jordan Howard. They're all like it's, this is a it gets a little dangerous here. Yeah. You well, know? and there's there are so many potential landmines in the NFL draft. It's I'm kind of surprised as many veterans have gotten contracts as they have because there are people that are speculating there's 15 plus. Running backs coming out of this draft that could have NFL jobs. Um, there's going to be a lot more shifting going on in the next month and a half. Yeah, boy, this was a lot of fun this week. All right, more. Let's talk about Isaiah Crowell on the Jets. Where is he for you? Stinkerville. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I, I'm I don't not know. Excited th- about it. I don't know. This situation is much different than what Isaiah Crowell's dealt with his entire life. Uh, I think it's worse. I think the offensive line is worse than what it's been the past couple of years in Cleveland. I think the fact that he's going to have to split with two running backs instead of one is going to be bad. I think it's uh, I think it's bad news for Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, and he can't he can't catch like Matt Forte did. I mean, he's ne- oh he can catch. He was very good as a receiving back when they threw it to him the last couple of years. Two years and ago, he was. he's not ever he, been he in a good situation good. ever. It's not like he's being downgraded from a good situation. He he's. One and thirty-one over the last two years. We thought that he was going to have a better situation, Crowell, this past season with an improved offensive line. Yep. With maybe an improved team. Of course, you know they they're not good. Um, Cleveland, that is. The Jets. The running game was awful for the Jets last year, but the year before that, Bilal Powell had a seriously good year. But he's still there. Uh, Crowell is what a number three. Yeah, he's a number three. If that. Um. You have Rex Burkhead and Isaiah Crowell, Dave, ranked back to back. Jamie has them within two spots. I haven't, I haven't officially re-ranked Crowell. I, but I, how could like Burkhead seems like a winner to me? Big time winner. I he was one of the guys I put in my winners, and I not just staying with New England, but Dion Lewis also leaving. Uh, Belichick making a commitment to Burkhead. Listen, it's still a New England running back situation. If it wasn't for the fact of Belichick's history with running backs, I might rank him as a top 20 running back. He's going to be lower than that now, but he's still a borderline number two. Does it annoy you that he might deal with nagging injuries that could slow him down and cost him a couple of games? He's a running back. What yeah. about what about Mike Gillisley still being on the roster? It doesn't really bother. Like we saw last year when Gillisley was inactive for, what, six straight weeks? It was weird. Yeah. I mean, Gillisley was a terror. He was a bust There's, for for the Patriots. Um, okay, so if those me. two have the same role and Burkhead has the nod coming out this season, then yeah, I'm with you on what you're saying. But yeah. I don't I don't know if I'm gonna reach often for Rex. Burkhead had three games with double digit carries last year. He had 11 fantasy points at Denver. He scored a receiving touchdown. He had 17 fantasy points against Miami. He had a rushing and receiving touchdown. The standard scoring. He had 21 fantasy points. He had two rushing touchdowns at Buffalo. So when they gave him work, and any running back who gets work in New England is going to be good. Uh, so, you know, no Deion Lewis, that's a good thing for Burkhead. 
but uh, Heath seems a little bit more on board with that than Dave. Um, all right, so I think let's go through. Uh, oh, one one more guy before we go through like the news items. Tell me how you feel about. I can't figure out if he's a winner or a loser. Kenyon Drake, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of hard to look at him and say, "Yep, all aboard the Kenyon Drake train." That offensive line isn't great. The offense has some speed on the outside and good short area pass catchers on the inside. But there's just a lot that makes me nervous about Miami. Tack on a defense that probably won't be nearly as good as it might have been if they had kept Sue. Yeah, I'm, he makes me nervous. He, he definitely makes me nervous. And this is a team that will definitely draft somebody. Yeah, obviously our opinions are going to tra- uh, change after the draft, but it's fun to have these conversations now. Look, the Dolphins didn't add anybody, so that was good for Drake. He had three games with 16 or more carries, and he scored 16 or more fantasy points in standard in all three. Uh, he can catch the ball. He's He looks like a, like a good player, but I don't know. Like I can appreciate on one hand what the Dolphins are doing. They're getting rid of expensive contracts. They're getting rid of guys that they don't think want to be there. They got rid of Landry. They cut in Dominick and Sue. They're going to, it seems like by the time you hear this, get rid of Mike Pouncey. I can get that, but it, it almost seems like they're tanking a little bit, and the 2018 outlook scares me for the Dolphins. Heath, what do you think? I think the Dolphins are going to be terrible, but I thought, um, like last year when they were sitting at 500 after six games or whatever and had a negative 60-point differential, we kind of knew that maybe this needed to happen. Right, right. 2018 is terrifying, and I've downgraded Drake because of it. Yeah, uh, so they have the AFC East, I mean. I just, I don't, does anybody like what the Bills, Jets, or Dolphins did? I mean, the Jets are trying. The Jets signed Tremaine Johnson, one of the top cornerbacks. They signed linebacker Avery Williamson, who, you know, I don't know much about him, but apparently he's very good. I it just, unfortunately, they missed out on the marquee guys, and they signed Isaiah Crowell. They didn't really get any better. They brought in Bridgewater and McCown. Teddy Bridgewater could still be good. Yeah, but he, you can't go into the season thinking that he's the surefire starter. That's why they got. McCown. I'm not even sure if he's an improvement over McCown at this point. We just don't know what he is. Yeah. Okay. So ready to go through all the news items and see what we missed? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Start with the quarterbacks here. By the way, you can email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. And if he sounds a little nervous right now, I mean, we've done so many podcasts. So Kansas is in a bit of a tight game. At the moment, so he's you know he's a little nervous. Give him a little break. I was a lot more nervous about <laughs> five minutes ago when they were down twenty-one thirteen. It's all good now. Oh, what's the score? They are ahead thirty to twenty-three. Oh, okay, okay, good. So, so he's good. Um, all right then. Uh, quarterback Kirk Cousins, yay. Uh, Aaron or Sam Bradford to Arizona. Dumb. Like, okay. It's not dumb for Sam Bradford. No, it's million. awesome for him, and it's... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hating on Sam Bradford. Can I just say what Sam Bradford has done in his last five games? Of course I can. I'm the host. Last four games of 2016, he averaged 304 passing yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and in week one of 2016, he scored 31 fantasy points, threw for 346 yards and three touchdowns. It's possible he was – he's not a bad quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback at all. It's possible that he's uh, underrated. Oh, yeah. No, he – on a per-game basis, he is great, but he is made of glass and not like <laughs> – Bulletproof glass or the type of glass they put up in office buildings in case there's a hurricane. I'm talking like the most thin type of glass that you've ever seen. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everything's going to be just fine because that Arizona offensive line, I am sure, will protect him. They've got uh, uh, (laughs) – I do think this is not a bad thing for Larry Fitzgerald, who should probably catch 95 passes again. Denver signed Case Keenum. Is this good or bad for – the wide receivers. It's an upgrade over what they had last year, but Case Keenum's going to come crashing back to earth because that Broncos offensive line isn't very good either. About a 60% completion passer. And I, I like that he's going to have good pass catchers to throw to. I think that that'll help him he's out been, because I think that's what helped make his year last year in Minnesota. Yeah, he's been pretty blessed in that regard. Well, now, nowadays. It's not like it was before when he was with the Rams. That, that, those were not good days. Did you move Demarius Thomas up at all in your rankings? I'm probably going to end up moving him down because when I originally ranked him, it was under the expectation that they'd get Cousins. 
Okay, so would you rather have Amari Cooper or Demarius Thomas? I will still take Thomas. Yeah, I, I, the numbers will all say to rank Thomas higher. I do love Amari Cooper's upside, and, and they have the Raiders have talked about how that it's his his uh, his receiving core now. But I, I'll say Thomas. All right, uh, just Case Keenum. You know, if you want the numbers, in his last nine games, he threw 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. He scored 20 more, more 21 or more fantasy points in six of nine games. Only twice more than 23 fantasy points, but didn't throw that much. Just 32.3 passes per game, which would have ranked 25th in the NFL. Had 104.4 passer rating. That's Case Keenum in his last nine games. Uh, but, you know, that's the best stretch of his career. All right, more quarterback stuff. Drew Brees re-signing two years, $50 million. Jets signing Teddy Bridgewater, as we mentioned, and Josh McCown, both to one-year deals. Buffalo signing A.J. McCarron, two years, $10 million. And Tom Brady chugged a beer with Stephen Colbert and destroyed Stephen Colbert. I know who the best beer chugger is in this room. Were you impressed, Heath? I was impressed. I also liked there was a deal on Twitter where an ex-Pats backup offensive lineman told a story about uh, when they were stuck in Buffalo one time. They had a beer chugging contest, and he beat Tom Brady, and he was the only one on the team that could. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to talk about the Brian Hoyer story with Dinosaur Barbecue. This is somebody who actually beat Tom Brady. Somebody actually beat Tom Brady. He was a backup offensive lineman. Wow. So, Dave, are you saying that Heath would beat you in a beer chugging contest? Yes, he would. I I would I would like to think that I probably would. I've practiced a lot. I'm kind of a failure if I'm not good at drinking beer. You know what's kind of hard to chug that most people don't know except for people like me is water. Because when we would play beer pong in college, I would play – and I would just chug water instead of beer, and it's See, hard. That's that's a weird thing about me, and my wife finds this really odd. But I don't like get a glass of water and sit it there with dinner and drink it from time to time with in small drinks. I know that I need to stay hydrated, so I go to the water fountain four or five times a day. I fill the cup with water and I drink it all. Yeah, but what would you drink faster, water or beer? I mean, I've, I've probably drank more beer than water, so I'll say beer. <laughs> you would. It's it's water's just, it's interesting. It's kind of difficult to chug. All right, running back news. We talked. That's what you got to do if you have the hiccups. I think we talked about all of this. Carlos Hyde. I think it's three years, fifteen million. When I did the the numbers uh, for the contracts, it was like as the news was breaking. So I'm sure there's different numbers now. Well, luckily, their how much money they make has absolutely no impact on their fantasy value. Yeah, I, except the McKinnon thing really stood out. That was the one. Like they Could it just really be that committed. the 49ers wanted to outbid everybody? Like, they, they clearly targeted McKinnon. They had to have him, so they just outbid everybody, and they don't really care. Like, I don't think they were like, well, geez, he's, he's the guy we really want, but we don't want to overpay him. I think they realized that that's how much it was going to take to get him, and they wanted him bad enough. They can do that. I, I have a – and I've had some questions about some of the things John Lynch has done. Um, I, They paid him twice as much as they could have had Carlos Hyde for. Right, that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know, man. Like, everybody was applauding John Lynch when he got uh, Reuben Foster, right? Like, that might be a terrible pick now. He's got major behavioral issues. There's a reason why he slipped to the end of the first round. I, we might have – I'm not sure if he's a good GM yet. The jury's out. Uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade is freaking brilliant. Um, Five but, games in. But I don't – yeah. But still, still it's oh, a win. Oh, it's brilliant it's a anyway. It's a win. It's brilliant anyway because think about what some of these other quarterbacks are now getting paid. Garoppolo's getting getting paid paid a lot. Garoppolo's getting paid. I know he's getting paid a lot too, but just to give up the second-round pick to not have to go through that trouble to get a quarterback who doesn't have as much long-term upside as Garoppolo has, it was brilliant. Yeah, And it was fortuitous. uh, This one, though, I don't know. about. I I just don't know about the McKinnon deal. (laughs) There are bad contracts handed out all the time. This one might be, but uh, Deion Lewis to Tennessee, Jets Crowell, and Baltimore released Danny Woodhead. Woodhead's already gaining interest from the Falcons and Patriots. Ooh, I would hate him on the Falcons. I I don't think I'm going to like him no matter where he goes. I, would I don't him. think he can he can do it for 16 games, and I don't know if a team's going to let him even try to do it more than a few times per game. I hate him on the Falcons because of Devontae Freeman, because I need Freeman to start catching the ball. I, would, I don't want him there. All right, what else? Wide receiver, Allen Robinson, three years, $42 million. They also signed Taylor Gabriel, which, you know, could help. Mitch More Trubisky. speed in that offense. Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, Sammy, Sammy Watkins got more money than Allen Robinson, forty-eight million over three years instead of forty-two. He got thirty million guaranteed. I think that's another case where a team was willing to overpay a player just to make sure they had him. Did I ask you if you'd rather have Watkins or Allen Robinson? Uh, you, I think you asked us something like that. I'd definitely rather have Robinson just because he doesn't have near as many mouths to compete with. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, I have He's to... got as many mouths to compete with. They're just not as notable. Right. They're not as big. Remember the game Big Mouth when we were kids, Heath? No. That big, no. giant, yellow guy, his mouth would open up and he had to like flick Dave, these things into Dave, his mouth. That's Pac-Man. No, 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 no. This was a board <laughs> game. Hungry, Google it. Hungry hippos? Hungry, hungry it's, hippos. It's yeah. kind of closer to hungry hippos than it is. Hungry, pack. hungry hippos, you dads. There's two hungries in there. Come on. Uh, what else? Jordy Nelson got cut and Jimmy Graham comes over. So let's, we'll talk about that when we get to tight ends, but Jordy Nelson, Oakland is finalizing a deal with him. Should we talk about that now or should we wait for it to be official? Let's wait for it to be official. It sounds like it's going to happen. I'm curious to see whether or not Michael Crabtree will be a teammate of his. It sounds like he won't be. I think that that could be a mistake by well, Oakland. Really interesting strategy. Sign the worst receiver and drop the better one. Would you rather have Marquise Lee back with the Jaguars on a four-year deal or Sammy Watkins on the Chiefs? Wow. I think Watkins. I, I think I would too. Because Lee will have a bigger chunk of his team's targets, but there are not very many targets to go around in Jacksonville. And I think it's almost a cinch that Watkins will have more touchdowns. Yeah, it could be a standard versus PPR thing. Watkins has never been a catch guy. Um, and I don't really think, yeah, like Dave said, I don't think any of us would project a lot of touchdowns for Marquise Lee. And then these are kind of curious. Baltimore signing Ryan Grant, pretty big deal. They also signed John Brown. And the Dolphins signed Albert Wilson, three years, $24 million, and they signed Danny Amendola. And the Redskins signed Paul Richardson. So who – Ryan Grant, John Brown on Baltimore, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola on the Dolphins, Paul Richardson on the Redskins. Who's got the most fantasy relevance? I think it has to be Richardson. He's got a – the best quarterback of that group. He has the best opportunity to take over a number one role in that offense. Are any of these guys good sleepers? As the offseason rolls on, it, it'll be interesting to study Richardson and Grant. I know Brown is the one who fantasy owners have heard of the most. I'm concerned about him being available. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. So maybe he's a final round flyer, probably more so in deeper leagues than typical seasonal leagues. I think Grant probably has a lot more. Um, potential to help your fantasy team. And, and I agree with Heath. I think Richardson has the most since he could be the number one outside threat in Washington. And he has a lot. I mean, he's fast and he has a big catch radius. I don't, I don't really know why he wasn't more consistent in Seattle, but. And I'm still going to say that as of now, uh, Chad Williams is still a sleeper for the Cardinals. They haven't upgraded their mm -hmm. wide receivers yet. Uh, Looks John, like Jerron Brown's not coming back. Yeah, John Brown said himself that Chad Williams, who's going to be a second-year receiver out of Grambling State, that Chad Williams is ready to step up and be, I think he said, a number one receiver. So, um, sleeper for you right there. All right, tight end news. Well, who do you like but better? Sam Bradford throwing him passes. Sam Bradford's not that bad, games. man. He's not. He's not bad, but he does like tight ends, one. right? Yes. And Are you thinking RSJ? RSJ may be a thing. Yeah. Okay, so who do you like better, Trey Burton, the Bear, or Jimmy Graham, the Packer? Graham. Graham. I did a Twitter poll about this, too, but not about Burton. Of this group, who is your favorite tight end next season? Jimmy Graham, Kyle Rudolph, Delaney Walker. Graham. Heath? I think it's probably Walker. The listeners or the tweet, Twitter followers said Jimmy Graham, 61%. Kyle Rudolph, 27%. Delaney Walker, 12%. Interesting. Um, I'm worried about Walker um, coming back to being an improvement on what he was last season. I think Graham has pretty much established himself as a touchdown or nothing type of tight end because he's only averaging like 42 yards. Per yeah, game. he was he was very good. I don't think that that's going to go up that much in Green Bay. You look at what Aaron Rodgers' track record is with tight ends. I don't think unless there's massive philosophical change. Now that Jordy's out and Graham's in, I, I, I think Graham, I think Graham could score 
eight, nine, ten times, but he might not get much more than six hundred yards. Six hundred? Yeah. All right. Well, that'll make that's him- not per game, by the way. That's per season, baby. Um. All right. So last year he had five twenty and ten, and he was the number four tight end in fantasy. Pretty far behind the the big three, I'd say. Except Ertz, because Ertz had some injuries, but certainly on a per game basis, he was behind them. Um, like eight hundred and eight would be a great year for a tight end. Do you think he can I've, get eight hundred and eight? I've got him at six thirty and eight. I don't think eight hundred is like it's possible, but that's at the very tip top of the possibilities. So then, here's my question, right? Like, well, first of all, no, we'll come back to Graham. But are we worried at all about Aaron Rodgers' weapons? It's not great after Adams, is it? Are they keeping Cobb? Does it matter? They, I think they need another receiver. And I don't know if Geronimo Allison is going to be the one who fills that third receiver role. They've got Jeff Janis, Dave. Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery, if, put if, him if out there. If they were going to move Montgomery to receiver, then they don't need Cobb because Cobb's salary is too much. But does that concern you right now? Like, do you need to see something more from the Packers to feel good about Rodgers being number one? I'd like one to or see two? them draft a wide receiver he, for the outside. He, you know, if you line Dave up for sixty snaps a game oh with my Aaron Rodgers, he'd score ten touchdowns. I would. You know what though? Like when he lost Jordy Nelson two years ago, or was it three years ago? Uh, yeah, he struggled. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, he he struggled. He was like the number six quarterback. Aaron Devontae Rogers. Adams is a lot better now. Then, sure. I, I think it's fair to say that Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver there. Yeah. And Cobb is number two by default, but I don't think anybody's got a lot of confidence in Cobb as the number two guy. Like we're and saying, you think about who the sorry. number three guy is, and you know that whoever the number three guy is isn't as good as Cobb, but who is that guy? Do you sorry, really it's... buy into Geronimo Allison? No, but we're, we're saying you can. that uh, Adams is better than now than he was then, yes. But remember how good we thought Randall Cobb was in 2015 when Jordy Nelson tore his ACL? He was a second-round pick. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. Uh, this is a lot. This is a very, very interesting offseason thus far. Uh, Jimmy Graham or Greg Olson? Olson. Yeah, I think Olson still. Jimmy, that can change, though. Jimmy Graham or Evan Ingram? Ingram. Graham. Ingram. Ingram, I, Graham. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to be the low guy on Ingram for now. No, I want to be the low guy on Ingram. Well, I mean, you you can rank him wherever you want in your imaginary <laughs> head, and then you can say you're lower than me. I'll just you just look at where my ranking is, and then say you have him one spot lower than that. Okay. Uh, Detroit released Eric Ebron. Miami released Julius Thomas. Philadelphia released Brent Selleck. Offensive line. Okay. Well, I thought the Giants would end up with Andrew Norwell. Instead, he went to the Jaguars. The Giants. So got, did the Giants. Yeah, the Giants got Nate Solder, and I think that's just that's really most interesting for uh, for Sequan Barkley because if the Giants take him, it doesn't look like the Browns. Well, no, right? Why would the Browns take him with Hyde? Whoa, whoa, whoa! We skipped over some major news in the running back news. What? The Giants don't need to take Saquon Barkley now. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot they signed Jonathan. Why Stewart. is Jonathan Stewart not in the running? Because back fullbacks news? don't count, Heath. We didn't talk about the projections no, 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 for no. Jonathan Stewart. We didn't talk about this guy. Or <laughs> Have this you projected guy? Jonathan Stewart? Jonathan Stewart or Isaiah Crowell? Oh, uh, I'll take uh, I'll take Stu. No, I'll take anybody over Stewart. Nobody cares about Stewart. Have I drafted a kicker yet? <laughs> uh, but they got Nate Solder, left tackle, best left tackle on the market, four years, sixty million, and they signed former Jaguars guard. Patrick, oh, mom, may I have no idea how to pronounce your name, uh, but he's the guy that Andrew Norwell is replacing. Uh, so, look, for the sake of Eli Manning, for the sake of the Giants' offense, they obviously needed to upgrade their line. What do you think with Solder and, and a guard in there? Eh. I am having <laughs> a hard time being moved by the Giants' offensive line moves for the sake of Eli Manning, only because... Like, we just moved Patrick Mahomes up in our rankings with the acquisition of Sammy Watkins. Mitchell Trubisky was somebody we're a little more interested in as the number two quarterback now. I, like, I feel like Manning's just going backwards. I love Manning's receiving core. I it, am very, very worried wait, about what that offensive line looks if like. If you take Mitchell Trubisky over Eli Manning, is that what you're saying? I didn't say that. Okay, because if you do, then I think you're completely – it's like that is insane. I think that there is a possibility that Mitchell Trubisky scores more fantasy points than Eli Manning next year. 
absolutely. But I don't think you can draft. Even if they both like play 16 that. games. I don't think you can draft like that. Even I mean, if Odell Beckham doesn't get hurt. I think they're Eli in Manning trouble. is they're is, in trouble on that offensive line. There's no question about it. But they've been in trouble. Like Eli Manning, when Beckham plays, Eli Manning's good. He may not be good in real life, but he's good in fantasy because they have no running game. He's I think he's an underrated quarterback in fantasy. Well, if they draft Barkley. Yeah, that would change. Right, that changes a lot. But then the offensive line, again, becomes a question mark, even with Barkley there. I mean, they did add Nate Solder. That's a big addition. That's a big addition, and that's probably better for Eli Manning than it is for the run game. Sure, yeah. Because even with Omama as the <laughs> as the guard, he he didn't he's not that good either. He yeah. really was a liability at times for Jacksonville. He was their second worst graded offensive lineman. I'm sorry, third worst on Pro Football Focus. And the Giants had a team full of red graded offensive linemen. So I, I don't know if there's really an upgrade there or not. No, I, I don't know that there is. They did lose center Weston Richburg, who is now on the 49ers. Uh, Cincinnati acquired left tackle Cordy Glenn. That could be nice. That was an that's an interesting move. I'm not sure if Glenn still can be a great left tackle. He'll probably be somewhere between solid and serviceable. Two teams that really could have used Andrew Norwell were the Giants and the Bengals. Neither got him. I don't know if the Bengals needed Norwell. Uh, well, I guess in the sense that anyone needed Norwell and they were hindered by their offensive line last year. Is that fair? I, yes. Yeah, but the offensive line issues had more to do with tackle than okay. they did with guard. Uh, the Jets signed center Spencer Long. The Browns signed offensive lineman Chris Hubbard and Donald Stevenson. And then actually, this one might be a little underrated. The Texans signed former Chiefs guard Zach Fulton and Buffalo offensive tackle Sancho Henderson. But Fulton to the to the Texans. That's uh, that's nice. I like that. They need that depth. They need. He he might end up being a starter for them. They, they they need talent on that offensive line for sure. They have to protect Deshaun Watson. Is there any team that really jumped out at you defensively? Philadelphia. Yep. And the Rams. They're going to be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Green Bay signing Muhammad Wilkerson. That was that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Tennessee just that's raiding nice. the Patriots, taking Malcolm Butler. Yeah. So now they've got. I think both of their starting corners are going to end up being uh, former Patriots. And Deion Lewis. That's right. And and their starting running back. Tennessee also signed, uh, re-signed defensive end Daquan Jones, who was apparently very good against the run. And remember, this was a tough team to run on last year. So there's they could have a good run defense again. Well, that was fun. Anything else, guys? Any free agent notes you want to get to? I think you pretty well nailed it. Right? The Bears right. gave $9 million guaranteed to kicker Cody Parkey. Oh, man, I should have been a football player. <laughs> the <laughs> kicker is what you would have been. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Are you kidding? Absolutely. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us. Fun show today. A lot of stuff going on in the NFL. We appreciate it. If you have any questions, send us your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Good luck with your brackets. Thank you for joining. We have about 1,400 people again this year. That's awesome. And I look forward to beating you all. See you later. It's all right. I've got Levy on. It's all right. Not joy.